Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to season two of Hedging Happiness. We are excited for, you know, the 10, 15, however many it is, followers that are going to remain with us. We're welcoming all new followers. Please, please give it a listen. But we are excited for season two as, what, seasoned vets now, Luke? What, what are we at this point? I, I would say seasoned vets until right before the the podcast recording you said i need to drink a beer to calm the nerves and that that made me think that maybe we're not as seasoned as we thought you know it is funny because i was i was excited for it all day got you know 10 minutes until we started recording i was getting a little antsy a little nervous of uh because we, if we go back to last year i don't know if we mentioned it on our first episode but it took us a good two hours just to figure out how to get all the audio going and everything. And so far, we've avoided that mistake in year two. But, uh, you know, I feel good about this. I feel like it's going to flow a little bit better. And, you know, we've got great chemistry. We've, we've you know, nailed that down at this point. And, you know, hopefully our, our picks are a little bit better this year because we did struggle a little bit. We just started off so cold and we never really recovered. Some of our guests had a lot more luck. But it's a new season. The bankroll is restart, re, uh, reallocated. It starts at zero. You're not ahead. You're not behind. But, I mean, man, it, it feels like I'm ahead by not being behind. Hitting the reset button was a win for us. So, like you said, we're not ahead. We're not behind. Yet, mentally, it's it, we are ahead. Right? It's a fresh season. Oh, um, oh I, I am way ahead. Like, I've got, I've got my picks laid out. I've got. I, I feel like I'm seeing the chessboard. I did a in-depth analysis on the top top ten. I feel like every every podcast, every show has like their quote-unquote model, and I felt like we needed our quote-unquote model. We won't reveal the the mechanics or the the inner workings of the model because you know we we don't want to lose our edge. But this the hedging happiness has its own model now. It sounds like you're coming into this a little bit more prepared than I am, but I'm I feel confident as well. You know, I have I have what works for me, you have what works for you and we'll we'll see uh, what happens at the end of the year. But that's kind of gets me into some new changes, I guess, for this season as, you know, we reflected after a, after season 1, we had our ups and downs, but some things that we're going to try to change up a little bit is we're going to try to do it a little more, I'd say, personable, a little more conversation, free-flowing, a little less to the script, if you will. Dude, we had, we had some scripts that were pages long, especially in the beginning, and almost like word for word. And it just, it, you listen back to yourself and you, you're like, that, that doesn't even sound like me. It doesn't even sound good, you know? So I think that'll be a big, a big change for the better. And that's yeah, that's part of being season two vet. You learn, you learn, you make you make the corrections, and you try. You you hope and pray that instead of ten listeners, we've got twenty this year. Um, <laughs> so that's that's where we're at with hedging happiness season two. But you know some of those changes that I mentioned this year. You know last year with busy schedules, we're gonna try to do a better job of recording every week. I know we tailed off. I think our last episode was the week after Thanksgiving. So we pretty much missed the, you know, the golden part of college football being the bowl games, the, mainly the college football playoff. And so we'll, we'll try to do a better job with that of sticking to until the end of the season. And one thing that we're going to add this year is we're going to keep a record. 
It's going to be Luke versus myself, obviously. And we've got a little bit of, you know, stakes on the line. And we'll get into that when we kind of get to our picks. But that's, you know, some of, some of the new changes. And what else do we have? Is that about it? Yeah, I think that I think that's uh, that's it. And if there's anything else, we'll get to it when we get there. I would say though, on a on a from a personal from a personal standpoint, there have been a lot of big changes. Uh, you wanna you wanna give us your your end of the changes first? Yeah, from from me personally, or do you want me to give you what you've changed and see what I've missed? I'll go with my. I don't, I don't know what you're myself. saying anymore. <laughs> I'll go with some of my changes yeah. and you know that not too many changes. I'm still out here in Utah playing soccer, living the dream. Uh, Dealey and I, we did mention it in our episodes. We we're engaged. We're getting married in December 17th on Kiowa Island. Um, we are very excited. It's getting crunch time. Less than four months now. Yeah, you're. And uh... it's gonna. It's getting to the crunch time. We're really excited though. It's she actually heads to her bachelorette party oh. uh, this week. Where's she That'll going? Be in Kiowa. Oh, Kiowa. Be in Kiowa as well. Uh, it's a nice little girls girls retreat. Should be low key until you know. We'll see. We'll see how low key that turns out to be. You know, it is in Kiowa. It's a it's kind of an older population there, so that it's good for me. That's a win for me. It's one of the older places I've ever seen been like the island is just so dead at like seven o'clock at night the golf ends everyone goes home packs up goes to bed and wakes up yeah. early next morning pretty much but it is a beautiful place i know they're gonna have a blast and you know i'm excited for her i'm excited for her bridal party getting some updates i hope but uh yeah i don't know man other than that it's been kind of the same old stuff for me i you know, looking looking forward to going home, seeing the family. I've got what five, six nieces, nieces and nephews now, and that part of it is really fun. Getting to see them, it's usually like once or twice a year, which is too long, but it'll be awesome going back to Kansas City to see them. And yeah, other than that, that's kind of the main changes. But you, on the other hand, you've you a few few more you know, life updates than I have. Yeah, we're, we're ahead of you by a couple of years and, and we weren't actually ahead in milestones. So we had to put some distance between us. Uh, since the last podcast, my then fiance and I got married in January of 2022. And, uh, and then very shortly after that, uh, she got pregnant and we're expecting our daughter on November 5th. So, Beasler was asking me before the show, what's going on with the room? Are we moving in? Or are we moving out? And we, we actually are moving out. Uh, we're moving two floors below because we had some issues with our landlord. But this is the, I was explaining, this is the office podcasting room slash future nursery room. So, me and uh, the baby will have to be jockeying for, for time, uh, during rec- especially during football season. If Luke gets pretty quiet post November, then that that is why <laughs> he'll be he'll be whispering into the mic, "Don't wake the baby! Don't wake the baby!" Tennessee minus so, thirty two and a half. <laughs> yeah, That's, yeah, I can actually see that happening. <laughs> but I was doing the math there. So November fifth is due date. Yeah, it's like two two months and a week ish away. So okay, it, when it, when you get it. yeah when you get within a month, it could be any time. So 
and the wedding was jan- mid January. Yeah, the, the so, math works. The math works. If I'm, if I'm doing the math, it barely yeah. works, but it works. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, I was, I was doing, you know, cross, doing the ones, moving the ones <laughs> no, over. You, you got to like count yeah, the days. It's about, yeah, it's right at that nine ten month mark. So that's right. Yeah, it was. It was. At uh, least, uh, everyone at asked. Least you know, there's a good chance that you're the dad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean. <laughs> <laughs> that's true. <laughs> uh, so that's exciting. How how is everyone feeling with that? How are you feeling about being a new dad? How's how's Aaron doing with pregnancy and yeah, all that comes with that. Uh, so I would say like the first, and this is just for anyone that's gonna experience this in the future. The first three months can like vary like girl to girl, but like the first trimester is typically when the girl is the most like has the most morning sickness like is the most tired you know and and it it doesn't really feel real until i would say that first like doctor's appointment when you see a heartbeat and then it's like whoa this thing's alive but then every doctor's appointment after that you can like see the baby growing and now like i remember when when she was the a sesame seed and now like her last time we were there she's like the size of a uh, cantaloupe which is like insane. She's, you know, she's viable. Aaron's doing like very good. She's just, she's just big now, you know, sometimes she said, I was actually out there. She said well, she like catches her. That, do you, do you want to use that term or do we want to do? That's over? what she would, that's what she would say. She would say she's big. Okay. Now. She, okay. Ca- she catches herself in the mirror and she's like, whoa, <laughs> like, cause it's so yeah. gradual. If but, she says it, then you feel like you're in the clear and you can say it. Yeah, exactly. I tell her I'm going to roll, <laughs> roll her around everywhere. She doesn't like that one, that one as much. Yeah, but well, no, I can I can imagine why. No, it's been good. It's exciting. Yeah, we'll have like all the baby shower stuff coming up, and and we'll get all the little like onesies, all the Tennessee Vol, you know, onesies and booties and hats and everything. So it'll be it'll be really fun. That's awesome. What's what's been your like? You said first trimester was probably the worst. Yeah. What was and maybe still is like? What's your What's been like your go-to thing that you do for Aaron or like Aaron's like, Hey, can you do this? Yeah. Or like, you know, something to like be like, Hey, I'm, we're going through this together. Let me help you. Yeah. So the biggest issue I would say that I really can't do much about is that I sleep like a rock and Aaron is like a very, was a bad sleeper before she got pregnant and now is even worse. So like she gets irritated at me just like sleeping during the night. But the thing that we do is every Sunday, we always go get a uh, five guys burger because that's been her like 100% craving the entire time. It's just loves burgers. So we get a five guys burger or some other burger every, uh, every Sunday night. I love that a yeah. little ritual pregnancy ritual of five guys on Sunday. It's probably the best day to have. five. Oh guys yeah. Too. It's so good. And it's our it, favorite. They're, burger. they're, they're better on Sundays. I don't know what that is, but it, they definitely are better. That's because Sundays. you're used to drinking or eating them hungover. <laughs> that, that could be you know, connected dots there. <laughs> that makes perfect sense. So, well, that'll be fun. Um, you know, when the baby comes and you're sleeping like a rock and that dynamic of Aaron trying to wake you up when 2 a.m. in the morning. It's a, <laughs> definitely a point of contention. I'm like, Aaron, I'm actually concerned that like I won't hear the baby because like when Aaron gets up in the middle of the night, I don't hear her get up. And so if a baby's crying, like, I'm just concerned that I sleep so heavy that I won't. And she's like, oh, don't worry. I'll, I'll make sure you get up. 
<laughs> yeah, she'll just gonna sleep with a bat next to the bed. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> It'll start out with like some gentle, gentle nudges with the baseball bat, and if you, you're still not, uh, oh yeah, she'll have no little, problem. Harder and harder. She'll have yeah. no problem. That's awesome. Well, that's very exciting. We're me and Delia are both excited for you guys, and that's oh, that's awesome. Yeah, it'll be fun. Your life will change. <laughs> yeah, she'll be she'll be born by the time you get married, so that'll be pretty wild. That's why uh, yeah. TBD on the bachelor party ahead of the ahead of the wedding part. <laughs> That's, do we have any names? Yeah, so uh, we're going, or I don't even know if I should say I should get this approved, but yes, we have the name. So okay, we'll cut it. We'll cut it. We'll cut. Uh, is the name? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll check with the producer and see if we can <laughs> cut that part. Okay. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's great. But uh, okay, so one thing I wanted to talk about as well before we start mm-hmm. talking football, you went on your honeymoon yep. to St. Lucia, mm-hmm. Sugar Beach, is that correct? Yep. How was that? Because Well, yeah, because Delia and I, I leaned on Luke a lot for some of the honeymoon advice and recommendations, and he more or less convinced me to go to the same place that he went to. So, you know, as, as I look up to Luke so much, and <laughs> we decided we're going to go to the same place. It looks amazing. Yeah. So I want to know how the honeymoon was. Oh, it's like, you'll, you'll see when you get there, you land in the airport, and it looks like every other Caribbean airport, if, you, if you've ever been to one that you've been to. It's like outdoor. It's hot. Like, there's a bunch of people trying to get you to get in their taxi. But you actually get in the like the specific resort, the uh, Sugar Beach taxi, and I will, I'll never forget. We get in the taxi, and maybe like a hundred yards outside of the airport, the guy like pulls over to the side of the road. I'm like, shit! Like, all like dead. I'm like, yeah, like Jesus! Like, uh, we can't even get outside. The, he just waited outside the airport, and he's gonna like take our money. You know, I don't know. And he's like, he's like, you guys ready to have fun? And we're like, no, 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 we're okay. Like, blah blah, you know. And then he pulls out two beers and gives them to us. And we're like, okay, yeah, we're ready to have fun. But it takes like an hour plus to get to the, to get to the hotel. And it's, I've never been any in terrain like this. Like it's crazy hills and mountains all the way. But the, the Sugar Beach is situated between two big mountains. It's at like the very base of both of them. They've actually created the beach. Like they brought sand in. They imported the sand to create the beach. And... I don't know how to describe it. Like, it just feels, it feels like luxury, right? Like, Aaron and I did a couple things, like, one thing every day. And when I say did a thing, like, one day it was yoga and then beach all day. One day it was, we got, like, a massage, beach all day. One day we went hiking, which was by far the most active thing we did. But it was just, like, <laughs> it was, uh, they take they take care of you and and... You, you pay for that for sure, but they, they take care of you. And Aaron, I always talk about like, oh, how long until we go back to St. Lucia? <laughs> because of how expensive it was, it always keeps getting pushed out like another year every time we talk about it. Yeah, that's, uh, that's one of the things we're going through. Delia keeps letting me know that like we need, we, we're, we need to enjoy this because this is going to be the nicest vacation we ever take in our lives. You'll never get it back. Like my, my thought going into it was like, I'll never get it back. And in, to this day, I think like the best money I've ever spent because you can't, you can't get that, you can't get your honeymoon back. You can't do it, do a do over. So it's worth it. 
It's worth. I'll talk to Delia about it, but it's worth it. Yeah. Well, mm-hmm. she's super excited. I'm super excited. It's it's gonna be awesome. Oh, it'll be so. Yeah. Do you leave the day after Very, your wedding? No. So we're <laughs> we we're in like a unique situation. Well, not a unique situation, but we we're getting married in December. Yeah. Like I said, and what we wanted to do was kind of spend Christmas with family. And then go through, like, right after Christmas through the new year. Thought that would be, like, an awesome way to celebrate the new year as a newly married couple. And, you know, we start going through flights. And flights are ridiculous at that time of year. Yeah, it's peak season. Yeah, our travel agent was like, "This, you guys chose the most expensive week to travel. (laughs) And we're like, oh, yeah, we can tell. So... What we decided, we, at this point, we weren't decided on where we were going, so we had a few different options, and essentially we just decided, you know what, let's go to the place, like, the place we really want to go to, one of, like, the nicer of the places that were on our short list, but let's push it back, so we're going January 2nd. So, so we've got some, tra- we're going to, like, be in Kiowa for the wedding and through Christmas, and we're going to drive back to Kansas City, which are where my parents are from kind of do like new year's there and then the next day after new year's day we'll be taking off from kansas city that's um like we did the same thing but it was because of aaron's work but it i think it ends up being a good thing because i got i got sick and aaron got a little sick did like in the couple days after the wedding and it wasn't we like tested for covid it wasn't covid but I think you're just like so worn out from just like, like you're constantly going from what I think the Wednesday you get there all the way through the Sunday. Then, you know, by the time it's Tuesday, your body's just like coming down from the high and you haven't slept very much. And it, you know, it's been adrenaline keeping you going the whole time. And so giving yourself like a week and then like the holidays to recover, I think it's a, I think it's a good idea. It worked out well for us anyway. Yeah, it sounds like that. I mean, luckily we don't we well we we had the choice, but the choice was essentially made for us because of the price. Yeah. And you know, doesn't really matter. We're no matter when you go, it's looks like a place that you could go any time of the year and it's gonna be amazing. Yeah, it's gonna be dude, I'm so jealous you guys get to go again. <laughs> it's gonna be so yeah. nice. Go well, go again. As in the first time we're going. Did that, for tell, you, it would yeah, be again. Tell t- there was a guy. So the way the beach is situated is like there's the sugar beach area, and then there's maybe they cut off like twenty feet of the beach for like commercial rides. Like they'll take you into downtown. Like it's called So Free, or they'll take you to the mountain to hike. And there's a guy that we always use. His name's Richard, the party guy. He, he would always have like the the quote unquote fun juice and you know whatever else he wanted, but he would see. Tell me if uh, if you meet Richard the party guy there, I'm sure you will. With a name like that, it will be tough <laughs> to forget. Yeah, exactly. So that's that's who we we want to be with, Richard the party. Yeah, guy. exactly, exactly. Guaranteed to have a good time. <laughs> but all right, I mean, is that? I think that maybe it covers it from my end. Is that? Yeah. Cover it from your end, or yeah, I, I not no other major updates on on that level for me. The only big update should, is that football's back now. I was gonna say, should we start talking football? I would love to talk football with you, sir. Let's talk football. Let's start. Well, you know, I think we need to, you know, put our congratulations to Georgia Bulldogs for winning national championship last year. As I mentioned, we didn't have the episode to to cover that, but. They took care of business. I'm sure 
your cousin Taylor will be will be and is still on a high from that. There's like nails on a chalkboard. How, how is he feeling? Yeah, he's pretty happy. He's uh, made that very clear. <laughs> and uh, yeah, he, at every second. Ta- Taylor showed up to the rehearsal dinner at Luke's wedding in a red tux or red suit. Sports coat, and yeah. It, sport, it, was, it was loud. And he first thing he said when he was given a little toast was, Something about congratulating the Georgia Bulldogs and rubbing it in the, the volunteers hey, fan base that was at the wedding. It was, uh, I was actually listening to, it was like our first or second episode. I was, I was quote unquote watching film and like the way, like there were some hot takes that I was listening from my perspective mostly, but there were some takes that I had that were just a little selfish of you, but okay. They were so bad. Like <laughs> The Oklahoma, I, I was so high on Oklahoma, and I wouldn't let it go, no matter how bad they looked. I was so convinced that they were going to make it to the college football play. Like, okay, so that was like a very bad one. The very good one that I had was in the very beginning, I said, Georgia has it all. They just haven't put it together. It, it They just need to be able to put it together. They have the recruiting class. They have the coach. They have... You know, I thought at the time, I thought I said they have the quarterback because I thought it was going to be JT Daniels, not Stetson Bennett. And I was like, oh, like, go with that idea. Go away from the Oklahoma idea. But it was... Your picks would have been a lot better. Yeah, and, and the other one the other one that was good was uh, I was so down on Clemson. I, I did not think Clemson was going to be very good. And you were big on uh, on DJ. I th- I'm trying to think of the other... There was another really bad one for me. Uh, but I think Oklahoma was so bad that it, it just took the... <laughs> it masked all of the all the good. <laughs> Yeah, I had some really bad ones as well. But the Oklahoma one, you were so convinced that you ended up convincing me like through week three. And I was like, you know what? Fine, I'm in. <laughs> I'm in. You know what? They're, how can they ever lose? And they, that was one of the most frustrating teams. The other frustrating teams for me, I believe, was Nebraska. They, yeah. I couldn't choose the right side of Nebraska, no matter what, what it was. If I was for Nebraska, they didn't cover. If it was against Nebraska... They didn't cover. It was a nightmare. So, you know, lessons learned. Try to avoid, you know. It's nice when you have the team that is always winning, and it's so frustrating, and you just can't get out of your own head to stop picking certain teams. And this is all being accounted for in the model, of course. You know, lessons learned. It's all accounted for. (laughs) I can't wait to to learn about this model that you have. But okay, last season's over. You know, it is. you prefaced it. It's a new season. It's a new start. Do you want to let's jump into the AP like top five, top ten, and kind of kind of go with that? Yeah. So I'll just run through the AP top ten quickly. One Alabama, two Ohio State, three Georgia, four Clemson, five Notre Dame, and I'd say those are like the usual suspects, right? You, they're always sitting there, right or wrong. They're always going to be there until proven until like consistently proving otherwise then you have the guys that are reaching you have a&m you have utah michigan oklahoma and baylor and i'll i'll go ahead and like jump into my you know what i agree with what i don't agree with what what i looked at when i was thinking of the top 10 and my number one criteria when putting together a top 10 was what are the recruiting classes look like? So I looked at the 2019, 2020, 2021 ranking for each 
of the team's recruiting classes, right? And then from there, I made very subjective adjustments, bumps or, or <laughs> bu- <laughs> wait, you can't laugh yet. I haven't even finished yet. Oh, this is all part of the model. <laughs> it's all part of the model, man. It's all part of the model. I made very subjective adjustments based on three, three other things. First of the three, and most important of the three, is the quarterback situation. The second is the schedule. And the third is what I'll, I'll put as like miscellaneous, which is head, most typically head coach slash transfer portal. Because I think the head coach has a lot of influence on the transfer portal. So this is a really interesting stat, actually. For the last three years, right, there were three teams in each year that had a top five recruiting class. Can you name those teams? Say Bama, Georgia. Yep, yep. Um, Ohio or Texas A and M. Nope. They had two. Ohio State. Texas A and M had two. Ohio State had one. Um, am I I'm missing one more? You're missing one team, and I don't think I don't think you'll get it. Even though, like, you sh- you probably should. Um, Oregon. No, I'll tell you. It, uh, it's okay. Tell me. Tell me. It's LSU. Funny oh. enough, right? So, if you look at and then I took I took those three years of rankings and I averaged them and I ranked them and in the, in order one through five was Alabama, Georgia, LSU, Clemson, A&M. And with A&M, there was a tie with, uh, who was it? There was a tie with Oregon, funny enough. But Oregon, in my opinion, drops out because they have coaching issue. They have a coaching issue. They lost their coach, right? LSU drops out for the same reason. So my top four, based on the model, one is Alabama, which is consistent. Two is Georgia, which is consistent. Three LSE, would three is Clemson, which like I would have never put them there, right? I think Clemson is a flash in the pan. And then four is Texas A and M. And like I get it, everyone's high on Ohio State. They have like the court, you know, the quarterback adjustment may be real, but in terms of just recruiting and talent, I, I don't have them. That that's like such a big factor that, and they they're not they don't have like top tier recruiting classes for the last three years, so I can't put them in the top four. That's that's a lot. I love all of what you just brought to the table. <laughs> it's I, gonna suck. I'm not gonna have any of it right. They're all freaking four of my teams are gonna lose the first week. The guy brought the analytics today. I would okay. So I'll play devil's advocate yeah. just for for fun. So. I get like criteria for essentially then for me to your model yeah. would be players lost. Sure. And so then Georgia, they're losing like their whole defense. Sure. Where does like, I know they've got the guys coming in and playing experience surely has to mean something or no. I don't know. Or like the, the, the talent that's being developed. And I think all of these schools, at least Bama and Georgia are really good at, developing the talent too which is kind of what's you know makes them alabama and georgia and where maybe like texas a&m is like slowly trying to bridge that gap 
I mean, but is it, for Georgia, they they did they lost their whole defense. So like, where how do you think? I think how well do you think they they will do? Yeah, I think it's a reload type of situation. It's not like a rebuild. Like the, the thing that blows my mind is when I looked at 2019, which would those guys would be seniors, or I believe seniors, right? Because the 2022 class is freshmen, 2021, 20 yeah, 19. They'd be seniors this year. Ohio State was outside the top 20 in recruiting. But then they had a top five and a, and a number two class. So, like, should more weight be put on recency? Probably, right? Like, should a But I do believe A&M could be one of those teams that, like, had really solid recruiting and is about to put together, like, a really good team. The issue for them is they're in the SEC West. And that's very, very tough, right? You're going to have to beat out Bama, who has the quarterback edge, who has the head coaching edge. And so, like, if I were to bet my life on a team, though, to make the playoff, I think I'm, I would bet on on Clemson. I do, funny enough. So let's let's dive into that right now. Okay. Let's your four teams to make college football playoff. Yeah, okay. So if I were to say to make the college football playoff, it'd be Alabama, Georgia, Clemson, and Ohio State. It wouldn't be any different from – because A&M and Alabama can't both make it. So that's like a schedule. So you're going, you're going chalk. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm a wuss in the end. All that analytics, and I'm, I'm with the AP. I, yeah, that's hard to go away from. It's because if I were to give mine, it would be Alabama and Ohio State for sure. Yeah, I think those two, no doubt about it. I, I don't know why I'm not that high on Georgia. I know, I mean, they're going to be awesome. Like, don't get me wrong, they're going to be a top eight team all year. I don't know. I think if Georgia slips up in the regular season and then they're probably going to lose to Alabama, I I don't know if two loss gets them in. I honestly could see Texas A&M going one loss regular season, not making the SEC, and still getting into the, uh, the college football playoff. So I guess if we're going to throw it out here, I'll say Alabama, Ohio State, Texas A&M, I'm, you know what? I'm going to say Utah. Yeah, so like that's the interesting part, right? Is you have Utah, you probably have Baylor. To a lesser extent, you would have like the Cincinnati's, these teams that, you know, have a pretty easy schedule. Their conferences aren't great. They have a chance of going undefeated. But I just, after last year watching Oklahoma struggle so much, I think going undefeated is still very tough, even if you have a, an easy schedule. So I think like, like I think doing what Cincinnati did wasn't easy. I don't think that Utah. I don't know. You know Utah. You're a you're a Utah. I'm a Utah. I'm surprised that you're not a Ute. I'm surprised you're a Utah, honestly. But I think they both. I think the same thing. Okay. Yeah, more or less. So, don't don't quote me on that. I yeah I I, I it sounded <laughs> weird when I heard that. it, but I uh, you have yeah. So I would say the Utah. You could say, I mean Notre Dame's going to lose the first game of the year, so not Notre Dame. Utah, correct. Baylor slash Oklahoma. Those those are like the teams that could. Wake Forest, Cincinnati, Houston, like some of these teams could go undefeated, but I think you just have to be really, you have to be really sound. 
And I don't think there is that this year from an outside, you know, non-Big Ten, SEC, Clemson team. Yeah, I agree with that. I'm pretty excited to see what ends up happening this year because it's, you know, it really could go. I think Utah has the potential to be similar to what Cincinnati was last year. So give me give me for, like a give me some like background on this Utah team if you have. Like I I saw them in the in was it the Rose Bowl against Ohio Rose State? Bowl against yeah, Ohio and State. I was like totally shocked, but you were pretty high on them. You were high on them when they played Oregon. Oregon. Yeah, and and I and you you I got it very wrong. Because of the altitude. Because of the altitude, exactly. <laughs> it was a 28-point altitude swing. <laughs> but you were high on them last year earlier. And and so, like, I guess this is a good chance to, like, talk about, like, parts of week one. They go at Florida. Is this, like, the same Utah team as last year? And that's why they're ranked so high? Pretty much. They return a lot of returning starters they lose a few you know key playmakers but they they just their coach has been there for a while now who is he it just seems like uh ken whittingham kyle whittingham i think yeah yeah let me see is that, that sounds right that sounds right? like a coach's name i don't know if that's their coach <laughs> well, let me do uh, i think i'm thinking of Ty, kyle, Ty, kyle whittingham tyrone willingham <laughs> yeah the old notre dame yeah. coach yeah he was really he was really good <laughs> Now, Kyle Whittingham, but he's been there for a while, and he Utah is kind of one of those programs where, like, they don't necessarily get the best players, but they have their system in place, and they're always going to be a good team, right? What's their system? Like, like you, what are they – are they, like, run? Or are they – like, it was hard to tell because that game was so nuts in the Rose Bowl. But I, I like – It was nuts. They they I feel like they run more of a pro-style – offense and like their defense typically is usually very good very hard to score on their offenses they don't i would say like they're they're a program that really doesn't make that many mistakes like you they they won't beat themselves in a game they're not going to come out of a game with three turnovers and it's like wow how did they they should have never lost that game all the games that they should win they probably will because they're coached up really well they hate you know they know what to do and they're old this year that's the thing they're returning their quarterback who as we saw in the rose bowl was really good yeah. cam rising is his name he almost and died in that game re- yes that, that was, was pretty scary. scary that was scary that was scary and then they're returning a really really good tight end i believe that i don't think that many people know about him and i'm blanking on his name but i think he people will probably know about him at the end of the year and they're losing a few good players on defense. I think middle linebacker who went first round uh, in the draft this past year. But that's I don't know. I don't. It was that was a college football playoff team that I was getting cute with. But <laughs> it's one of those where I look like a genius if it happens, and if not, then it's like, well, it was Utah. Yeah, so yeah. It's, you know, Homer. You know, they're they're not expected to be in there. No. But I, that, like you said, though, the Utah Florida game. I think that will be a big game for both teams because Florida's a bit of an unknown. They've got the Anthony Richardson, right, the quarterback. Yep. He could be electric. He could make a ton of turnovers. You just don't know with him. And Utah's expected to have a good season. If they go into the swamp and they take care of business, I think 
they're at seven, so they're on the radar. But again, like I kind of just meant, they're Utah, so they're not really on the radar. I think if they go in there, if they win by double digits, they're going to come out of that game being, all right, we've got a good chance of making college football playoff. Yeah, after after they play floor, a, 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 not a, not a reeling Florida team, but this is not a typical Florida team, right? The, like the typical Florida team is top 10 what jockeying for one or two in the sec like they're coming they have a new coach they're uh emory jones or quarterback transferred they have uh, like you said anthony richardson who is is electric but an, an unknown and and then it's He's what's a wild card hard, what's hard to quantify too is like this transfer portal thing like i know they had a lot of transfers but like it's florida so they re- can reload and they can get transfers in it it is a big unknown which is unusual for florida but I mean, Utah's favored in that game in the swamp, which is kind of wild. But if they, to your point, if they beat Florida, then they play like U.S. The next big game would be USC in October, middle yeah. of October, and USC then USC and Oregon are their two yeah. big games. And USC's at home, at, or it's at Utah. So, I mean, it, it's tough to run the table. But if you beat Florida, if they beat Florida soundly, I think people will start believing that they could be a team to do that, especially with how they ended the year last year. And I think what benefits Utah, and let's compare it to Cincinnati again of last year, right? They're starting the year at seven, where Cincinnati had to climb up a lot. So if Cincinnati ever lost a game, and I know they were they're playing in a worse AAC conference, but Cincinnati lost a game, they were never going to make the playoff. I think Utah being at seven now, they can afford to maybe lose one game depending which game, and still, you know, on based on other factors, how other teams do, they could still potentially win or make it to the football playoff with a big Pac-12, you know, title game win. For sure. For, and, and who knows how Florida w- will do. I think what hurt would hurt them is making needing Florida to be that signature game and then Florida going 7-5. and five. And then it's just another, you know, Correct. BS win that doesn't matter for any it's not a signature win they need usc to be what people think usc are going to be and they need oregon to be like the ap rate the preseason ranking at 11 i think is what they are they need oregon to stay within the top 20 25 yeah so good good uh segue i don't know if you know the purpose but talking about the another big game week one is oregon at for all intents and purposes, I believe it's at Georgia. I think it's in the Mercedes-Benz Dome. Yeah, that that game, they have Georgia as a huge favorite, 17 points. And I get it. Like, if this was last year, we would not touch this. We'd probably touch Georgia. Like, right now, I feel like you don't really know if Georgia's reloading. I don't even know who the coach for Oregon is right now with Cristobal leaving. It's just so, like, and then these SEC teams typically clobber these teams in the first game of the year, a la Alabama and Miami last year. And I, I'm not touching Georgia minus 17, but if I were to play this game, I think I, I, think I would do Oregon. I do. I, I just, Georgia's not a high-powered offense that's going to come out and just crush teams. The, the, the concern would be, and how Georgia covers 17 would be, Georgia wears them down with depth and running, and in the end, it just like snowballs. And you know what was a seven point, ten point game becomes a twenty four point game. 
Yeah, I think you hit the nail on the head. It's that's a game that I'm not going to touch either. It, I just the week one games can be tricky, right? Because you just don't know with these teams. Is Georgia going to be a college football playoff team? And is Oregon going to be a? Are they not even going to be ranked by the end of the season? Like those are very real possibilities. I don't. I just don't see Oregon being a contender, like within the top ten throughout a full season. I feel like it's an inflated ranking at this point. So that's another game where I'm not even going to touch. I'm not even going to give my opinion on who I would take because I who knows. You know what that is? But that's, that, that's a game that if you are hot rolling into, what is it? What time is that game? Oh, it's 2.30, so it's not even, uh, you can't even roll in hot and just start stacking at the end of the night or try and make up losses. That game's going to be going on uh, as you're as you're starting to to ramp up to the night games, which the night game is Ohio State Notre Dame. Yeah, so and I want to hear about that's... this. I want to hear your take before I say anything. Yeah, so I've been up and down like consistently since for a month now about how this game could potentially go. I'll start with saying I do think Ohio State wins this game. Mm-hmm. I do think it's. I don't think it's going to be necessarily a close game. I think Ohio State is loaded. I'm really high on them this year. What they return, they return C.J. Stroud, QB1. They return Travion Henderson, running back one. And uh, Smith and Jackson. Yeah, multi-named stud wide receiver one. And that alone, I think, is enough to beat a ton of teams. We saw what uh, Smith. Let's call him. Let's just call him wide receiver one. Okay. I don't want to go through this for the while I'm, you know, giving my synopsis of this game. What he did in the Rose Bowl is so scary because he is a freak, and I think he honestly could be. He's like a Jamar Chase. He's a different breed of wide receivers. He stands alone in that category this year. And on the flip side, Notre Dame has a lot of question marks. They new coach. New quarterback, new running back. Their wide receiver one got hurt to start the year. How hurt? Really, he's out for the year. ACL. And so they've got a lot, a lot of question marks. They still have talent, though. They've it's Notre Dame. They've got players. The spread on that game is seventeen and a half. Like to me, it's. Notre Dame, do they keep it close? If they keep it close, I think it's more because Ohio State is a little rusty being week one. And if Ohio State isn't rusty, I do think that this game could potentially get out of hand. I I was going to, like any other year, I would have hit Ohio State really hard here. But after going to the Ohio State-Oregon game last year, I think the spread was like 14 and Ohio State just like didn't show up. Now, the differences between that that and that year, that game and this game. And that game, that was a noon kickoff, which I think like really does affect like how players prepare and just like the overall vibe in the locker room. It's all it was also CJ Stroud's like first start for all intents and purposes, right? So that's a completely different situation. They all but to, like Ohio State had uh I'm, I'm going to lose these two names, the two wide receivers. that Olave and the guy on the Jets. Yep, yep. And that's like a – those are big – those are big losses. Now I'm sure they're going to 
replace them pretty easily. Like they've turned into somewhat of a wide receiver. You, but Garrett Wilson. Garrett, yes, and but seventeen and a half points opening the year. Like I, I'm the last person to take Notre Dame, but I think if I were to bet this game, and if I do bet this game. I'll take Notre Dame and the points just because I I think it's very tough for these offenses to come out flying. And I think defense, like playing good defense, like we experienced in soccer early in the season, is much easier to do than playing good offense. Yeah, so I'll reveal one of my picks now. Okay. Because this was a game that I had. Okay. And I'm going to take Notre Dame with the points. I don't mind it. It's. I, all the points that I made, it really, for me, it comes down to 17 and a half. That's what it, like, that's that's too many points. It's a lot. I agree. And, again, I could be way wrong. Like, they I, they could get blown out of the water, and that's that's a one that I'll take, and it's like, shoot, this Ohio State team could be really good. But if it's a 21-point game, even, there's always the potential of a backdoor cover. Like Notre Dame has the firepower compared to some other teams where they could score a touchdown late and do that backdoor cover. Now, I don't think they win this game. I said that earlier. As long as they keep it close, though, I mean, if it's a seven-point game at halftime, you sure, they could still, you know, not cover the 17-and-a-half. But if it's a seven-point game at halftime, the, the script flips and you're like, wow, Notre Dame could win this game. They're good enough where it's not like a, let's say Ohio State's playing like a Purdue where seven points at halftime, you're like, all right, they're going to turn it up. It's going to be a blowout. In this game, it could be, okay, well, Notre Dame's still in this game. They could potentially win this game. And it completely changes the, the complexion of the play calling and everything if Notre Dame's in it, right? Like you start to, you're not taking shots. You're not, you don't have as much of a margin to play with. I just and, and and there's a lot of attention paid to the Ohio State offense. I have I have no idea what the defense is like. I know I think they switched defensive coordinators like midway I remember Mike saying this midway through last year when they were like really struggling on defense and it turned around, but like to just say like, oh, this team is like I don't know if they're well balanced. I have no idea. You know, and for seventeen and a half points, you better be well balanced playing like I mean, let's be honest. Like Notre Dame's not the number, the fifth best team in the no. nation, right? But still, no. still, especially on opening weekend, like it's a, it's just it just feels like too many points. It's scary because the offense is so explosive, but it's too many points. I agree. I don't think it's a bad pick at all. I, I as long man, as, joining as, you. as long as long as they stay close, they limit some of that explosiveness. And like you said, the play calling changes where. Let's say they're up by 10 and it's the fourth quarter. Maybe they get a little more conservative and they start chewing clock a little bit more, you know? And Marcus Freeman's a defensive coordinator, right, by trade. So, Mm -hmm. like, got... He went to Ohio State, too. So, there you go. Like, it should... uh, Some sort of edge, hopefully. It's a big game for him. Yeah. Yeah, I know. I agree. We'll see. That's, like, the marquee game. How many units? How many units? Because this is important now. Yeah. It's... So, I'll preface all my picks this week are all one unit and we're okay. just dipping the toe in we're not going crazy smart smart man we're gonna feel things out <laughs> we're just gonna go one unit this should real quick let's let's get i'll have you explain the units to some of our listeners that might un, not understand what a unit is per yep. se 
So the best way to think about a unit is what is your typical bedding amount? If you, so for example, we'll use simple round numbers. Let's say your unit is $100. If you have a game, as Beasler said, he's betting uh, Notre Dame plus 17 and a half. If his unit is $100 and he's betting one unit, that means he's betting $100. That means he, he feels pretty good about it. Like it's not bad, not bad, not great, but he feels good. If he were to say he's betting two units, so $200, that would mean that he is like strongly endorsing it and anything over two units is like, holy cow, like he's betting the house. And the, the key is with units, it, it's different from person to person. So Beezer's maybe $100, mine, my unit may be $50. So my, if I bet three units on a game, 150 bucks, that means I love it. But Beezer may be betting one and a half units on the same game for the same dollar amount. But, and so that implies he likes it uh, less than I do. Uh, but it's a it's way all to... It's about what you're comfortable with your bankroll. Yeah, so it's a way... Say, no, it's, it's a way to compare... responsibly. Yeah, it's a way to compare like across people with different bankroll sizes. So like if I'm betting against someone in Las Vegas that bets $10,000 a game, it's a way for us to compare because I'll never be able to... He wins one game for $10,000. No matter how many wins I have, I'll never be able to like beat him dollar for dollar. But on a unit basis, we can we can see who, who did better over the course of a season. Yeah, and, pl- and plain and simple, it's like a confidence bet, right? The higher the units, the more confident you are, which is kind of what you were saying. And we'll, we'll get into it as, we, you know, as it'll happen at some point as we start losing games. It gets a little tricky <laughs> calculating because when you bet one unit, a lot of the odds are like minus 110. So if you bet $100, you're only winning 90, which means you only win point, point 0.9 units. So if you bet one game at one unit, and you win at let's say minus 110, and you bet another game at minus 110, and you lose that game, well you lose one full unit and you win 0.9. So you're still down 0.1. So that's kind of how we'll track it. And we can give a little bit more clarity to that, like I said, in the weeks to come of kind of where we're at and explain that a little bit better. But I do think it's nice to give a little, you know, beginner's guide to kind of how the units work. And we felt we felt that there wasn't a lot tied to who did better, uh, and, and we both did so bad. Quite honestly, like it didn't matter. But this year we have uh, two two wagers on the line: one based on units, and one based on strictly winning percentage. How many games did you win versus how many games did you lose? So, just all that said, you have Notre Dame plus seventeen and a half for one unit. Do you want to? Do you want me to share my first bet, or do you want to keep going through your list? Well, let's go with let's go back to the punishments. So okay, whoever enough. comes out with the most units this year, so whoever's in the positive, or for hopefully not, whoever just has the higher unit number, the loser has to buy the winner a jersey of their choosing. Do you know what jersey you want? Yeah, I want Tennessee jersey. Specific color or oh orange player for sure Nico Iamalieva. What is that a player? Yeah, it's our it's our eight million dollar man. <laughs> but I like that. So I for for me I'm leaning towards Notre Dame jersey because it's college football. But I'm also a big Kansas City Chiefs fan, and I'm not I'm fifty fifty right now. So 
you know, I, I will make that decision as in the next couple weeks with Notre Dame or a Kansas City Chiefs jersey. Fair enough. You got time. Actually, you got more than time. You got years. You're not. <laughs> <laughs> you're, you're an idiot. I'm, I'm, going, I'm getting that jersey this year. And flip side, though, the other bet, like you said, was the winning percentage. Whoever gets the most games correct on a percentage, the loser has to pay for a nice round of golf at their choosing. I think we decided on $150. Yep. So it's going to be, you know, could be a nice course. It could be a, a great course with a handful of beers or bevies at their, at their you know, discretion. Yep. Discretion old golf many, spending. But yeah. <laughs> so that's, that'll be the punishments this year. Um, do we, let's get into week one bets then. I've already picked one. Yeah. I'll, do you have any futures that you like or? Yeah, obviously I'm on some futures. We won't assign units to them though, because it's, 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 uh, I mean, I'm going to win. So I don't want to put you at disadvantage. Rattle off your futures really quick. No, my futures is Tennessee over seven and a half wins. That's the, uh, that's the futures bet for my, for the year. Okay. That's it. We like it. He's Tennessee. He, that's for those I've known Luke for a while. That really is just a pre-placed <laughs> bet once the season ends and whenever this line comes out because he's on that bet every single year. That's that's not true. Last year I was on Georgia and that actually hit. But I said if I was going to place this futures bet on Tennessee that I wouldn't bet any Tennessee games throughout the year because I was essentially betting on them every single game. But that went out the window in week one and I have Tennessee minus 32 and a half at home against Ball State. And I could go and... Stick to your guns, pal. <laughs> I, uh, the, the rule book has already been thrown out. I, it's the model. It's the model speaking. The mo- yeah, it's the model. I can't... Uh, no emotion here. Uh, no, Tennessee... Look, like, the way I think about it, Tennessee last year played Bowling Green. The spread was 32, 32.5. I think they won by 32, and I lost. This is a completely different team with a different quarterback... Like a year into the Josh Heupel era, and just like wide receivers on all SEC, like it's a just completely different complexion, more depth. This game shouldn't be close. Where I will lose this game if I do lose it is if the the gas, you know, they take their foot off the gas early and start putting in the twos and threes. But because the next the next week is a big week against Pitt, but you know you, you do want to shake the rest off. Regardless, Tennessee minus 32 and a half. This is, this is a Thursday night game also, so in three days. So it'll be a pretty fun way to kick off the, the college football betting year. And how many units? One unit for me, sir. One unit. Yeah. Okay. With Tennessee. I'll get into my next pick. Okay. I'm going to go, you know, dip into the old barrel that I'm kind of known for and pick in some random games Army. that I, I dig deep into and I think – no, not Army. I think I might be done with Army this year. But, you know, they, they find the gym, the hidden gym, or the, what is it, gym in the rough? Diamond in the rough. Diamond in the rough. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the diamond in the rough. I, I mean, I that was silly for me. I've got San Diego State minus six versus Arizona. Oh, and gosh. you're giving me a face right now. You're, you're looking it up. Like, what is he talking about? I so these teams played each other last year. It was 38 to 14, San Diego State. Also, this game comes down to being Arizona just being stinky. Stinky, stinky, stinky. They won one game last year. One game. 
They're, I think their projected rankings for the Pac-12, their O-line is like 12th. Their D-line is 12th. San Diego State's O-line and D-line are both second. And this is in the conference, 12th in the conference. Yeah. And that's, so that's very bad, the worst, if you will. San Diego State, they're in the Mountain West, not as difficult of a, as a conference, but they're two for O-line and defensive line. So this game could easily be one in the trenches. They're also opening up a brand new stadium. So I think this place is going to be bumping. I think it just comes down to Arizona. Like, San Diego State's not a bad team. Arizona is a really bad team. I'll take San Diego minus six for one unit. San Diego State minus six for one unit. Uh, I, I like the bet. It it's uh it departs from what we usually bet, which is all the primetime games that everyone's betting on and, and there's no arbitrage or you know, edge that we can really get from it. So I I like the bet, even though I know nothing about it. I just like that we're evolving as betters. Um you gotta diversify your portfolio. That's what people keep telling me. That's right. That's right. Okay. So we actually already talked about my uh, second bet, which is one unit, which is Utah minus two and a half at Florida. And we, we, we went into this in detail already, but I'll just reiterate a couple things. Florida, like Florida got demolished by the transfer portal and probably, they probably brought some guys in, but a new quarter or a new quarterback, a new head coach, like this game, the Florida fan base is discouraged just based on who they had to hire when you have LSU getting Brian Kelly and USC getting Lincoln Riley. They have to go with Billy Napier. I just don't see this Florida team. I see this Florida team as a seven and five team this year. And this is definitely one that, and based on everything you told me, I'll be honest, I use a lot of what you told me about Utah to make this, this decision. But this, when I saw Utah in the, Rose Bowl last year, just like very solid team all the way around. Didn't lose a lot of pieces. Keeps the same head coach. Two and a half. Like Florida's getting too much credit for their name. I'll I'll, I'll go Utah for one unit. Yeah, I like that pick a lot. I was want to kind of get on that as well, but I think that line across the board has jumped up to three, and you got it early, which is huge because as we know. The difference between two and a half and a full field goal can be massive. So that was, you know, you jumped the gun on that and it turned right now it's looking really good. A half point, like for those who might not know, like half points can be huge, especially when they're on that field goal or the touchdown marks. Like I have it with Notre Dame, 17 and a half could be huge. It's a big difference between 16 and a half. I like the pick. Uh, let's, I, Going into our, I have, how many more picks do you have? I only have one. Okay, I have one as well, and I'm going to let you talk about your next pick because I'm pretty sure it's the same pick. Okay, so I needed to diversify my happiness a little bit and spread out my picks from on Thursday, one on Saturday, and one on Sunday. And keeping with the theme, I'm betting in the SEC I'm taking LSU minus three against Florida State. And the reasons are very simple. Like I said before, when we were talking about the top four, top AP top 10, LSU recruits, and I believe they have talent. I know that like, that, you know, transfer portal happens, whatever, but they have the talent. They're also playing in the, uh, I believe it's in New Orleans, in the, 
what is it, the Sugar Mercedes Dome now? I, I don't even know what they call I it anymore. It's Mercedes Benz still. Yeah. And then, yeah. like, I believe in Brian Kelly. I think he's, we talked about it last year. Saban's number one. Brian Kelly might be number two, like, in terms of head coaches out there right now. Like, what he was able to Kirby do. Kirby Smart, probably two. Yeah, Kirby's, like, it's just tough. Like, he has so many resources. He's able to recruit in his backyard. It's so much easier for him than it was for Brian Kelly, who turned Notre Dame around completely from, like, the Charlie Weiss era. And now he's at he's at LSU with all the talent in the world. It's just it it just depends on how quickly he's able to, you know, turn turn this team around and get them to buy in. But that's half the bet. The other half of the bet is I think Florida State, I think Mike Norville, this could be his last year. Like I just don't believe in this team at all. Florida State what were they? I don't even know if they were in the top twenty five of like top, you know, teams for recruiting rankings. It's just they're not the team. Oh, no, here they are. They're 17, 20, and then in 2021, outside the top 20. Just like, you can't be that and have a three-point spread playing an SEC team at home against a really good coach. I, I don't know the quarterback situations for either team super well, but this just feels like, and, and the issue is, the issue is I did this with LSU last year to open. I think I did my lock on them playing UCLA, and it went to hell in a handbasket really quickly. But this this year is different, and that's why they're my two-unit bet. First two-unit two bet on the podcast. Two-unit. I like it. So I knew, again, we kind of had talked about this earlier, so that's kind of why I knew you were going with that. I'm also going with LSU. All the same reasons you said. I'll just add on, like, so let's say that these teams are even, which I don't think they are. I think Florida State's been kind of a dumpster fire of a program for a while now. I think LSU has been up and down. Obviously, they won not too long ago, and they've struggled in a uh, couple years since. But if this game comes down to two even teams, I'll take three points with a way better proven coach. Yep. Like that. That's three points. and like, Home field advantage, I know it's not – at Death Valley, but it's going to be a home game for LSU. Three points alone is, or excuse me, home field advantage is three points alone. That's not even talking about the coaching situation. I think Brian Kelly is a really good coach, even though he's a traitor and he left Notre Dame. <laughs> and I'm just kidding. I'm actually very excited about Freeman, but he's he's proven himself. He's a really, really solid coach. They, they have named their starting quarterback, but they haven't brought it public yet. That's amazing. I love so it. So we'll see. Yeah, he's playing mind games already. He's he's trying to do the, you know, strategic advantage of not showing his cards, and I, I think this is a home run pick. I'm s- still going one unit because I'm like I said, I'm dipping my toe in. I don't want to go too aggressive, but I do think that this is a no-brainer. LSU three points shouldn't shouldn't even be that close. The only thing, the only argument I would make for Florida State is that they played last weekend. And just getting the rust of the game, like getting to the stadium, putting on your clothes, like going out to the field, doing all those things for the second time is really nice. And it, it brings a, it does bring a sense of comfort. On the flip side, this is not at Florida State. This is not a home game. You are on the road. You're in an unfamiliar environment. So I, I do discount that advantage, however, you know, however small or big it may be. Yeah, I think so too. So, all right, so we've got... I've got San Diego State minus 6, Notre Dame plus 17.5, and LSU minus 3, all for one units. Luke, you have LSU 
two units, Tennessee minus, what was that? 32 and a half. 32 and a half. I got it early. 32 and a half. I got it early. (laughs) Got it early for one unit. And Utah minus two and a half for one unit. So those are our three picks this week. We will do a much, much better job of keeping a tally this year as we do have a little bit on the line. And, you know, we're, we're going to start off so much better this year. I feel it's gonna it. It's going to be a good season. The only thing that is an issue is, like, I always pick favorites. And it has not changed, no matter, like, no matter, I have not learned my lesson. I have all favorites this year. That's why I liked having a Notre Dame plus 17 and a half there. <laughs> yeah, just a little diversification again. I like that. I, I like it. So, all right. Well, I think next week we will reintroduce probably the most popular segment of our show, which is the snake drafts. People tend to enjoy those. I think week one, we just wanted to talk personal lives and then talk a little football. So I think we'll reconvene week two with some recaps and our, you know, beloved snake drafts. Sounds good. Good week one. All right. Thank you everybody for listening and we will talk to you guys next week.